amen. And amen means we agree. And we agree with the fact that you are God. We agree with the fact that your word is true. We agree with the fact that we can trust wholeheartedly in you. We agree with the fact that you know best, that you have our best interest in mind, that you know best for your church, that you know best for this world. Father, we agree that we can trust and rest wholeheartedly in who you are. Thank you for that reminder this morning. Father, now as we open the word of God once again, I pray that, that we would see Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Pray that our hearts would be open to your word, that your spirit would be free to touch us. And in these theaters and the folks that are online, I know that there's been a lot of lives that have been kind of crazy this last week. There's probably been a lot of things that folks have faced that they're unsure of. There's a lot of uncertainty. There may be a lot of pain represented in these rooms. And God, you want to speak into all of that. And you care about us, and you want us to see your son, Jesus Christ, who knows us better than anyone ever could. So help us to see you. I pray that all the distractions would be removed for the next few moments and that we could focus our, our attention on you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You may have a seat. If you were with us last week, you realize that we started a new series last week, um, and we're going to be looking for the next little while at the book of Hebrews. And uh, last week we started the book of Hebrews, and we started looking at the fact that Christ is better than all, and we're going to continue uh, having that discussion this morning. And the author of the book of Hebrews, as you know, the book of Hebrews was an open letter. And it was written to a group of Hebrews because there was a group of Hebrew Jews who had come to know Jesus Christ. And at the point of, their, of this book being written, they were struggling. They were uh, a little discouraged probably in their faith. They had been separated from all that they know. And they knew coming to know Jesus Christ meant that their worship that they were used to, they weren't going to be able to continue in that. Their family even would be removed from them to some extent. And uh, life was different, and, and they were discouraged. And the author of Hebrews spends the next little while writing this book to remind them of who they are and who they belong to and who is theirs. And last week we opened that up and we talked about the fact that Christ was better than all of the prophets. He was better than all of the dreams and visions that came in the Old Testament, that all that, that God had done for the people of Israel in the Old Testament was a foreshadow of what was to come in Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ completed all things. He was the revelation of God himself. And if you remember, we talked about this that it was God speaking in Christ, right? He used in Son. He used the Son as the language to speak to us as human beings so that we could understand. And he revealed the completeness of God in his Son to mankind. And we realized how important Jesus is and, and how big Jesus is and the fact that Jesus isn't a message from God. Jesus is the message, right? And we ended last week talking about this, that God 
through Jesus Christ, provided the word who is Christ for us, incarnate God became man to live for, for us so that we could understand and get a different picture and an understanding of God. Well, the author continues with that thought uh, in chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, and we're going to look at that together this morning. If you went out for a meal to a restaurant or, or uh, you went out to buy something somewhere, and say you, were, you, you got a meal at your restaurant and, and you ordered this fancy meal at a restaurant and you were very specific about how you wanted that meal to come to you, and, and it came and the waiter brought the meal and sat it down in front of you, and it was nothing like what you ordered, and so you called the waiter, and you're very polite about it because it's a fancy and you're all dressed up and you got your wife out with you. You don't want to really make a scene and you ask the waiter to come over and say, waiter, you know, I, I ordered the lobster uh, uh, and, and the steak and, uh, and, and you brought me a taco and those are very different and that wasn't really what I ordered and I, I'd really like you to do something about that. I don't want to pay the lobster steak price for the taco and, and the waiter goes, well, I'm sorry, uh, that's what the chef sent out so that's what you're going to have to eat. What would you do? You would say, is there a manager in the house? Right? And you say, could, could, could you send me the manager, please? Because we need to have a talk. And the manager would come and, and you would have a talk with the manager. Or let's, let's say you went to buy a car and, and you bought the car and, and you had a, 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 a beautiful, let's, let's, let's go, because, I mean, if you're going to buy something worth anything, it's going to be Toyota. So you bought a Toyota, you wanted a Toyota Tundra, and so you ordered the Toyota Tundra and you went to pick up your Toyota Tundra and you pull in and... They have a Dodge Ram sitting there. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, sorry. And you go, uh, sir, I, I bought a Toyota. And, and you, have, you have, I can't even say it, sitting here. And the salesman goes, well, I'm sorry. That's what we have. And you would say, what? Is there a manager? <laughs> Is there an owner here somewhere? Those pictures that I'm, that's what we're going to talk about in chapters one, chapter one, verses four through 14. We're going to talk about the fact that throughout history, mankind is looking for a redeemer, looking for God. They needed a savior. They needed a Messiah. But instead of finding God, Often as humans, we become distracted by something less than God. And our attention becomes taken by something less than God. And these next 10 verses are going to talk about why Jesus Christ is better than angels. And if you think about our society and our time, our society and our time gets taken up with the supernatural and they want to talk about the, the, the super beings that may be out there, the angels that may be out there. And it's like looking for God. And, and I know this isn't a great, a, a great illustration, but God being the, 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 the lobster and the steak on my plate and I get a taco 
And the angels are like the taco. Now, I'm not making fun of angels, but I want you to realize the difference between the two is astronomical. It's huge. It's amazing, the difference. And often in life and in our society and our culture, we get taken up with something that is of far less value and far less important than what it is that we're actually looking for. You follow with me? You track with me? And so we want what is, we, we're looking for an answer. We're looking for a God. We're looking for someone to serve. We're looking for someone to, to, to save us, to look after the, the issues that we have in our life. And often something else will show up and we go, oh, wow, that's close enough. But it's not. It's not close enough. And the author knew that about humanity, and he knew that about the Hebrews. Now, let me, let me understand, help you understand why it's important that the author would write these 10 verses. See, you have to understand that in Deuteronomy, when God gave the law to Moses, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 33, you'll see this, that when God gave the law to Moses, he sent the law to Moses, and it said that 10,000 of the heavenly hosts brought the law. Look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 33. You'll see it there. The angels of God brought with God the law. So they, they were serving, ministering, and they were part of bringing that. And the people, of the, the Hebrews knew that. They also knew that all the way throughout the Old Testament, the angels showed up and they spoke to individuals throughout the Old Testament. And they brought messages to people throughout the Old Testament. And they showed up to help people. Remember Daniel? And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And an angel showed up to help him out. You remember Gideon who's threshing the grain? And, and, and he's in a spot where, where he's scared to death. And an angel of the Lord shows. You remember all the way through the Old Testament, the angels would show up and they would minister to the saints of the Old Testament. And they would bring messages messages to the saints of the Old Testament. And so the Hebrews would look at this and they would say, wow, angels are directly from God. These are amazing creatures. And they are. But they're not God. Did you catch that? They're amazing beings. But they're not God. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is going to remind us of the order. And he's going to remind us of where our eyes really ought to be and who we should be looking at. And all the way through the Old Testament with the prophets writing the word of God and the messages that came in visions and dreams and the messages that came through angels themselves, all of them together were pointing toward Jesus Christ, who is who? God. He is God. And so all of those messages that came in the Old Testament in all the different ways that they came, we're all pointing to one, to Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ. And the author did not want this group of people to miss that.
So let's jump in. Hebrews chapter 1, I want to read verses 4 and 5. So he became superior to the angels, Jesus Christ. Now that starts, we're starting at the end of the thought we had last week. And if you remember, the end of verse 3 last week was this, that Jesus Christ was the redemption for sin. He paid the price for sin. And then scripture says this, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. In other words, he sat because his work was done. He was done his ministry. He was done being the sacrifice for sin. And not only was he a sacrifice where he shed his blood for our sin, but scripture tells us this, that he rose again the third day and he is with God in heaven. And the end of that verse says, because his work is complete, he sits at the right hand of the father. So because he has finished his work, he is superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Remember, we're talking about the Godhead and the roles of the Godhead. And Jesus Christ His role as he came here to earth was to pay the price, to be the Messiah, to be the Savior, to be the sacrifice, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the the world. And he finished that ministry. And when he finished it, the Father said this, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the one. He looked to him, see him, see what he's done. And he gave him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, everyone should bow, right? And humble themselves before Jesus Christ. By the way, verse 5 there is a direct quote, and I'm going to give you all the quotes as we go through this. It's a direct quote from Psalm chapter 2 and 2 Samuel 7. In 2 Samuel 7, David was making this statement about his son and Solomon and, and what Solomon would do, but prophetically, he was also making the statement about the fact that Jesus Christ would come and Jesus Christ would be the Savior. And he would say, you are my son, that the God the Father would say, you are my son and you're the one who takes away the sin of the world. And it was a statement that was made prophetically back in the Old Testament of what would happen. And the author of Hebrews says, see, look, Old Testament said this was coming, this was going to happen, and it's happened already. It happened in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6 with me. It says this, again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. That's a direct quote from Psalm 97, verse 7. And if you see this, the first quote says this, that his name is above the name of the angels. There's no angel that has the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in this one, it says this to us. It says that all of the angels will, what does it say? They're going to worship him. So not only is his name greater than the name of angels, but all of the angels by themselves will bow and worship Jesus. Now, if you remember, when Jesus came to earth, how did he come? This is not a trick question. How did he come? As a little baby. Do you remember the story? It wasn't too long ago that we talked about this. It happens every year, by the way. He came as a baby, but do you remember how that all took place? Remember in Luke? Let me read it for you in Luke chapter 2. And then the angel of the Lord stood before, this is the shepherds, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And suddenly, 
a multitude of heavenly hosts, angels with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to all people he favors. The angels, the hosts of heaven, stood in the night sky and they didn't say, look at us. Look at our glory. We have come from heaven to talk to you, mere mortals. They didn't say that, did they? That's not in there. I just made it up. No, they said what? What did they say? Glory to who? Glory to God. Don't look at us. Don't see us. We came from heaven to point to the one who has come, who deserves all the honor and all the glory. Don't miss that he showed up. Don't miss that God has come to earth. Don't miss who Jesus really is. That's what they're shouting. They're the heavenly hosts who when we look at them, we're like, wow, look at them. And they're saying, don't see me. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Hey, by the way, can I stop here for a minute? I'm going to anyway, even if you say no. As Christ followers, that should be our heart. Don't see me. See Jesus. See what Jesus has done in me. I'm just a sinner who had no hope of redeeming himself. But God in his incredible mercy, revealed himself to me and his son, Jesus Christ, so that I could be redeemed, made new, guilt-free, a new man, a new creation. Don't see me. See the one who redeemed me. And that's what the angels did. See, they didn't have the name son. They, God never gave them that name. That wasn't their position. And they didn't have the glory of God at all. Instead, they revealed the glory of God. Folks, you don't have the name Jesus. That's not yours. That's his. He's the son of God but you have the person of God living in you through the Holy Spirit, and he wants to reveal himself, the glory of God, in and through you. Is he able to? Do folks see you, or do they see the glory of God? The angels said, see the glory. Don't see us. See the glory of God. See the glory of God. Look at the next verse, verse 7, because it's another quote. He does it again. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants of fiery flame. That's verse 7. It's a quote from Psalm 104, if you want to look it up. The angels, he's saying this, that he makes them as winds. That seems weird, and he makes them as fiery. So what he's saying here is, look, they're my messengers. That's what they are. The angels are not better than the one who created them. They're the messengers of the one who created them. And I created them for the purpose of, of the message of the goodness and the greatness of God. 
And an angel's whole purpose is to reflect the glory of God and to point people toward God and to give the message of the greatness and the glory of God. God makes them for his purpose. He called them a host of heaven. He called them to serve him and to serve other believers. We're going to see that again in a minute. Jump down to verses 8 and 9. I had somebody ask me this morning if we were going to get through all of these verses. We are. I have 10 minutes and 48 seconds, and so I'm going to make it. I'm almost there. Here we go. Verse 8 and 9. Here we go. But to the Son, your throne, God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawness. This is why God, your God, has appointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Did you, did you see this? This is a quote, by the way, from Psalm 45. But did you see this? It says, but to the Son, what's the next few words? Your throne, what? God. See that? To the Son, your throne, God. Why is that important? What's it saying? It's not a, it's not, this isn't a trick. What is it? What's it saying? Jesus is God, right? He's doing it again. He did it in the first three verses, but he's doing it again. He's reminding us, look, Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the reflection of the glory of God. Jesus is revealing God to us. And so your throne, God, you're the one who, who created the universe, the one who sits on the throne forever and ever, the one who has no beginning and has no end, the one who is eternity, your throne, God, is Jesus. Jesus is the same. Jesus lives in the same. The Trinity, the Godhead, is all one. And together, they are one. If you were to read that whole psalm, you would realize that, that it's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. And it's giving him the, the, the place of honor that belongs to him. And it's interesting that as God does that, he's not saying, to the angels, I give the throne. He didn't do that, did he? Who did he say? It's to the Son. It's to Jesus Christ that I give the throne and the right to be on the throne. And so all the way through this, the author of the book of Hebrews is saying, yes, angels have a very significant place. They're a messenger of God. They scream the glory of God. They're the they're ones who point us toward God himself. But they're not God. Did you catch it? They're not God. They're great they have a great position, but they're not God. They're angels. Look at verses 10 through 12. It says this, And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will, they will all wear out like clothing, and you will roll them up like a cloak, but they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. This is from Psalm 102, if you want to go back and look at it. 
But he's referring to Jesus Christ as the creator. From the very beginning, you established the earth. The heavens are all the works of your hands. And not only did he create them, but it says this, he can take them and roll them up like a curtain. Can you imagine it? God himself, Jesus, he can take the all that we know, all that is the expanse of the world that we know, and he can just take it in his hands and roll it all up. I'm done with it and put it away. It's amazing. I know you're half asleep because we had a time change, but you think about it for a minute. That is an amazing thought that God has that ability. Well, in Colossians, God the creator says this about Jesus Christ. He says this. Um, I got to grab my, uh, Colossians chapter one, verse 15, he says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him, referring to Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. He is the, the invisible and the visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. God, the creator of the universe, says of Jesus Christ, who is God. He says, look, Jesus Christ put all things, he created all things, he put it all together, he sustains all things, he is the author of all life. It is Jesus Christ, all of who I am, all of my characters revealed completely in him. Not the angels. Who? Jesus Christ. Who created the angels? God. Jesus Christ. He is God. Remember the verse, Colossians? It says, he created the visible and all invisible. All the things that we know and are physical and we can hold and all things that we don't. God, Jesus Christ, created all things. Is Jesus greater than the angels? What would you say? Just from the evidence that we've looked in the last few minutes, what would you say? You're not sure. What would you say? Yes. yes. Is Jesus greater than the angels? Yes. Okay. Whew, I thought I lost you. Jesus is greater than the angels. Stop for a minute. Stop. You're saying, Tim, why do you keep going on and on about this? Here's why. Remember how I started, how we can become as people infatuated, thinking about wanting something supernatural to happen that we miss what is most important. Remember how we started that way, talking about that? That happens every day in our culture, and it happens with believers. We begin to study and think about things that are not about Jesus Christ at all. They're about things that we hope would happen in our life. Boy, it would be really cool if an angel would show up and help me with this. Boy, it would be really cool if God in some supernatural way would, would, would show up and, and do this in my life or do this for me or whatever it is. Man, it was so cool in the Old Testament where angels showed up and they spoke to people and they told them what God wanted. Folks, you have it every day. The person of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he lives in you. You don't need an angel to show up. You already have God. Did we not just say that God is better than angels? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He lives within you. And the very word of God is at your disposal and living in you all the time. 
You don't need an angel. You don't need an angel. You have something better. You have someone better. You have the person of God who has showed up. Look at verse 13. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? That's from Psalm 110. He's referring to the duty of Jesus Christ and the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus Christ sits in a place of honor at the right hand of God and no one else sits in that place of honor. There's no spiritual being who is at a point high enough to be equal to God. And he says he's never told anyone to sit there. Look at verse 14, and we'll wrap this up. Are they not all, these are angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? He says this about the angels. He says, are not all of the angels given a task? And whether that task is to glorify God continually before the throne, if you look at Scripture, it says that there are angels, and that is their responsibility is to lift up the name of Jesus and to glorify Jesus. There are angels who have been given the responsibility to minister to saints and believers and to help them out and, and behind the scenes to, to lift them up and encourage them. But that's their job. Their job is to minister and do the work of God 100% for God, the glory to God. Their purpose is not to become God. Their purpose is not to be glorified. And so you're sitting there this morning, and if you're like me, you're saying, okay, Tim, you just spent 20 minutes, 25 Telling us how angels are better, I mean that Jesus is better than angels. I almost said it backwards. That Jesus is better than angels. So what? I knew that before I came. So what's the point? Why would we spend that much time focusing and asking the question and going over and over the fact that angels are not God? And Jesus Christ is so much better. Well, the reason is because our focus gets off so often. In the culture we live in, there's movies that have been made. There are books that have been written. There are TV shows that are out there all the time. There are people who get on social media and talk about, I saw an angel in my pancake this morning, and everybody should come see it. It's true. It's on there. Go look it up for yourself. We're going to encase a pancake in glass because there's a picture of Jesus in it. Jesus isn't in your pancake. You need more coffee. But we do all kinds of strange things to lift up something supernatural that we could try to get our hands around. And the author of Hebrews says, look, don't miss the fact Jesus is God. Jesus is the revelation of the character of God. You have the person of God in your very presence, the Holy Spirit. He is the counselor who God promised would come so that you would have all that you need. It's all at your disposal. And so this morning I'm telling you, Jesus is better than the angels. Look, folks, look, believers, look to Jesus. See Jesus. 
Don't miss who Jesus is. Don't miss the character of Jesus Christ because in Christ, the message, the fullness of the message of God, the fullness of the character of God, the fullness of the person of God is completely revealed to you and me. And so this morning, all of these verses tell us this. Look to Jesus. Believer, where have you been looking? Who have you been looking to? What's grabbed your attention? Have you been listening to all the stories of all the supernatural and you're missing Jesus? Have you been running to this place and listening to this thing and hoping that this will satisfy? It's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. Believer, see Jesus. See Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Hear Jesus. Know Jesus. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God yet, and you're just trying to figure this out, there's only one way to the Father. And the Father said it himself, that it's through his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father except through me. It's not by an experience with an angel. It's not by a message from an angel. It's through Jesus Christ. And if you are looking for God, and you're looking for hope, and you're looking for, for forgiveness, that is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. See Jesus. Let me say it to you this way. As I finish, if an angel were to appear right now, right here, and stand in front of us, you know what he would say? Or they would say, see Jesus. That's exactly what they would say. Because their sole purpose is to focus everyone's attention to the person of Jesus Christ and the salvation that's found in him. Father, Thank you for these verses. Thank you for the reminder to us that Jesus is better. Thank you for the reminder that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the revelation to mankind of who God is. I don't completely understand how all that happens. I don't understand how you do what you do. But I want to say thank you for giving me the gift of salvation that was completed through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for me. Thank you for that. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit. Thank you that you draw all mankind to yourself. Thank you for that. God, would you lead us as a church? Would you lead us as believers? Would you keep our eyes, our thoughts, and our hearts, our minds focused on the person of Jesus Christ? Would you help us to serve him well? Would you help us to keep him first? In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we close with a song this morning?